Your attention, please. Paul and Alex are required to proceed to the gate immediately. What? No way. What is happening here? This is the last call for the Layovers podcast. Really? Come on, man. This is our thing. We got this. Oh, yeah. And we made it. Of course, geeks. Ready? Ready. Born ready. (laughs) Flight 69 to Charlotte. Hi, Alex. Hi, Charlotte. Finally. Finally, we're going to Charlotte. (laughs) Have you ever been? Have I ever been to Charlotte? No, I have not been to Charlotte. Well, the city itself is great for barbecue, as you might know. It's quite the tech hub these days, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I heard. But to be honest, I've never actually visited any startups there, so I wouldn't be able to judge (laughs) the ecosystem. Uh, we're recording today uh, the 21st of March. By the way, is it not spring or something today? It feels so, so, oh, finally. There's some sun. I don't yeah. know about you in Kent. Yeah, is there sun? Yeah, it's right? lovely. Oh. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's actually spring. Let's have this positive attitude. And I flew U.S. Airways through Charlotte exactly six years ago oh, on nice. March 21st. So I don't know. It just it wasn't on purpose, but I just saw that when I was looking at my past flight history. Charlotte will talk at the end of the episode, of course. The reason I do this is because, guys, you've heard this in the past episode. I was actually in Philadelphia, our airport, from episode uh, 67. And when we were recording, I forgot about it. (laughs) (laughs) I won't add anything more than Alex said because you covered it really well. I was just going to say two, three words. First, they are, and I remember, and I think it's still the case, there are very, very, very few plugs, outlets to charge your stuff. So that's something you have to know because one of these airports where they seemingly seem to be not a single yeah, plug anywhere. Yeah, that's frustrating, isn't it? <laughs> There's a Chipotle. Our friend uh, Ivan Hernandez, who lives in Warsaw, would be very happy to know that because he, when he comes to London uh, from Warsaw, the first thing he does, and probably he does like five times a day, is going to Chipotle. Oh, Ivan, <laughs> there's so many other better Mexican joints in London now. I mean, there's nothing nothing actually that, uh, that amazing, but there's lots of stuff better than Chipotle. Although I think Chipotle is one of those things that people... Uh, it's more of an emotional comfort yeah. thing than it is, you know, a quality thing. I think so too. At least for Ivan, that's what yeah, he is. He's Mexican, you know. So um, I don't know if it's still the case, guys. So anyone who's uh, going often to Philadelphia through the airport can tell us. I remember that somebody told me there's many terminals. The one thing you have to remember, terminal F, F means food. The best food is in terminal F. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I remember I commuted through terminal A, A West. It was uh, when it was uh, US Airways. God, I missed that airline because not only it wasn't Star, but also the I, I really liked the delivery and the logo. Yeah. There was something, I really enjoyed it. And the last thing that I will say about Philadelphia that is also very practical, that is still the case now for you because you fly AA, there are Admirals Club everywhere. So meaning no matter which terminal you are in, there will be an Admirals oh, Club. That's since good. it was a yeah, since it was a hub for US Airways and there are their lounges in every single terminal as well. When it was taken over by AA, they simply just rebranded the lounges. But that's very practical because you know there's some airports when you are in not your terminal as in oh i could have gone into the lounge but i need to switch terminals so i won't yeah, do it that's so that's pretty good. cool yeah that is so good that's to pretty know. Cool. the bad thing is you know as me as a star alliance person uh i, I was able to fly your savings and when it was taken over by american uh of course the switch alliance it went to one world so that was a miss now i'm also one world gold so that i, I could get in but 
that's the shoe in for what? For that the only thing I can fly in the US, and I've done it last year, and now I regret it, is to fly United. Yeah. And United has had like a pretty, 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 pretty bad two weeks. They really have. Like I said to you yesterday on a on a chat, I think they're going for some kind of new record. <laughs> How bad can we be? Hold my beer. You know, it's like it's. <laughs> It's really bad. I mean, look, if we had recorded right after that poor dog, Kokito, I think the name of the dog was, died in the overhead bin, I was truly incensed. Incensed not only because, of course, it's the death of a pet, but the way it happened. It's like, you know, writing an angry email. It's nice that we record a few days later because now I'm more... I would have really called them out in a way that wouldn't have been nice. Yeah. I think we we already said a lot about United when we recorded, remember, with the incident, the reaccommodation incident. It was in episode 52. We had a lot to say about United as well back then. But the problem is that they don't, they don't seem to be, you know, getting anywhere. They seem no. to be... It seems to me that they only are trying to fix PR, but not the problem. <laughs> well, exactly. And then you're, you just end up chasing your tail if you do that. You've, they've got to go back and address these, these massive issues. Because as you say, that, wasn't, that was just the first in a few incidents that made everybody kind of shake their head in disbelief that, that this was even possible. Yeah, so that story, if you haven't heard, I don't know how you wouldn't have heard about it because seemingly everyone talked about it. So it was a flight, I don't remember where it was going, but this person had a kennel, small kennel for small dog. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been, of course, in the cabin. The flight attendant asked them to put the dog in the overhead bin, so the kennel in the overhead bin. An argument uh, because a lot of witnesses have said there was an argument. They said, no, I don't want to. The person, maybe her first language, the passenger, her first language wasn't English. That might have also not helped. The dog ended up being in the overhead bin, which crazy first. I mean, what? Yeah. But also during the flight, there were a lot of turbulences. The dog was barking. They called many times the flight attendant with a, with a button, you know, the bing. Yeah. Uh, they came, meaning they clearly heard the dog, yeah. but yeah. they didn't do anything because nobody was supposed to, you know, of course, remove their seat belts and everything. And when the flight landed, they opened the over it bin and the dog had died. I mean... Horrendous. I mean, what? First of all, how... Why? You know, they united, and I get it, because, you know, as a company, you cannot just throw your flight attendant under the bus and say, no. that's her fault. Uh, they might... Maybe there was a you know misunderstanding. I find it to be frank. I find it a bit hard to believe because of the repeated asks by the passenger, the daughter of the passenger, by other passenger nearby. So meaning, it's not just one. You know, when you enter the flight and you know you everybody's boarding and it's a bit of a ruckus and everybody's trying to get as fast as they can to their seats. Maybe at that time, you know, that request happened and it was a misunderstanding. But how could I've had? That linger for the rest of the flight, exactly. I just don't understand. That, that's the thing that I can't get my head around, is that perhaps there was a misunderstanding and they, they put the dog in the overhead bin. But when the dog is clearly in distress and multiple people are are, are commenting, and pe- people who aren't who have no connection with the dog or the passenger, yeah, then there's something massively wrong with this situation. And like you said, the, the freaking dog died. I mean, yeah, how I mean, could you possibly... And there's some, you know, really heartbreaking pictures of this poor yeah. oh, pet owner after the fact. And it's just, it was really distressing. Whatever you think about dogs uh, or pets in general or United Airlines, it, it was just a, awful. 
I'm going to be a bit harsh here. I, I do believe that the flight attendant is lying. But, uh, you know, I'm going to give her or him, I think it was a her, it doesn't matter actually, but the benefit of the doubt, it might have been, again, a very, very big misunderstanding. And probably, again, the culture of the company doesn't help because yes. it seems that maybe people are just, you know, including the crew are just, uh, you know, stressed to a, a position that is untenable and they have to minimize the time that needs to, for boarding, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know, but there's a clear cultural problem in this company yeah. that is crazy. Yeah, I agree. I, I've rotten to the core perhaps is a little bit of an overstatement, but this is at the DNA level where these failings are happening. Guys, listen to episode 52 because we don't want to go for 40 minutes talking about United, about you know the entitlement of United, maybe the too big to fail that happened when the, all the, the bankruptcies happened. There are many, many reasons I could find, but the problem is really for me that they don't seem to be going anywhere. Every single time they have problems that they have had, and we go to a few others, they seem to be fixing that as a PR issue and not as yeah. a cultural issue, not as a company issue, but just, oh, after the fact, we've been caught, so we need to address it in a way that is acceptable. This is not how you deal with problem in the company for crying out loud. No, not at all, not at all. And, and incredibly, they went on to have three more, two more incidents, three more incidents in, within the space <laughs> of two weeks. There was that, which I think is by far the most tragic, but it's still, the, these others are horrendous. They managed to ship a dog that was supposed to go to Kansas yeah, and ended up in Japan. <laughs> How does that happen, for crying out loud? There's so this many is... regulations that were broken. Not yeah. just, you know, beyond the fact that you've got a dog on the wrong side of the planet. <laughs> it's just, I've, it, that's where you, you see, by the way, that the PR machine, because what they did is that they repatriated the dog with a private jet. Yeah. And then they, the of dog. course, they took a lot of pictures. It's nice. I'm not saying, like, but again, it's like, oh, we've been caught in a series of incidents. So we're going to take a private jet and make pictures for PR purposes. Yeah. Okay, fine. But how in the first place does a dog end up in Japan? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Well, exactly. And then another one they had to. They had to do a what they called an unplanned landing in Ohio because they were carrying a dog that wasn't supposed to be on the plane. It was on the wrong plane going to the wrong place. So they, they inconvenienced however many hundred people were on that airplane to because they couldn't get their act together. And as a result of all this, they've they've suspended shipping pets under this the ironically named pet safe program. <laughs> Exactly, pet safe. Yeah. We had a because when I tweeted from our layovers account on Twitter, uh, when I tweeted the the incident, uh, I had a conversation with with someone saying, "Yeah, well, why was the dog in the cab in the first place?" And we can discuss at length whether or not pets should be accepted in the cabin. We know that in the UK, for instance, it's impossible to have a pet in the cabin going out or going in to the UK, but. If an airline says it's acceptable, they call it even pet safe for crying out loud. They have, they really have an entire page. I don't know if it was taken down about saying how safe your pets would be traveling both in the cabin and or in the hold. Then it's not even a question whether or not it's acceptable. That's an entirely different debate. If you say you're going to take care of pets, then do it for crying yeah, out yeah. loud. Or just stop doing it. I, I, you cannot have it both ways. Yeah, and there was... I mean, just because it's, I love the, how stupid it is. There was this uh, senator, I think Kennedy, who introduced the welfare of our furry oh, friends. Woof, yes. woof. Uh. <laughs> A law stating that you shouldn't put dogs in the overhead bin. I mean, for crying out loud, even before you were not supposed to put dogs in the overhead bin. You know, it's again, this is 
it's nice for publicity, but the point is that in the first place, these things shouldn't happen. And United has a really bad reputation and bad mystery of that. They, they, they killed three times as much animals compared to the other American airlines. What? So they have an issue. Yeah, three times as much. I didn't we're not talking that. like a thousand deaths a year or something, right? We talk, it's still limited because there's not a dog on every flight, etc. But three times as much. So again, there's a problem in that company that neither Delta, American, JetBlue, and all the others have. <laughs> something so not right. Bad. <laughs> so bad. Uh, and, and what was about this story yesterday? I, I know it's nothing to do with animals about this person that was paid a thousand dollars voucher or something to remove her feet from a table. What? Remember I sent, I sent you that yesterday? Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I thought it said a hundred. It's a thousand. A thousand dollars to move their feet? The person was apparently very rude, not willing to remove, I think it was her again, I'm not sure, but her feet from the table, oh, a nice. table, I think it was on the ground. And uh, to buy her to say you should remove United gave her money. How does that happen? You don't you don't give money. I will start putting my feet on tables then because, you know, if that's going to pay me my entire year of travels by just like putting feet on tables. We're going anyway, to so- encourage that behavior by doing that. <laughs> you know, United has an issue. Uh, uh, they, they promise, they overpromise and they underdeliver. You know, they, yeah. they, they said that they were doing Polaris. Where is Polaris? We have, they have like one single aircraft. But they even are currently still ordering planes with the old business class seats. So they're telling everyone we are installing new business class seats, which apparently are great and fine, but they are still ordering today aircraft with the old configuration. So they're not actually willing. They're just saying that again for PR. They're just saying we are doing it. They're like displaying, showcasing one aircraft somewhere, but actually the rest is still the horrendous old planes. They've removed Lots of the stuff on the menu uh, from where they started Polaris. They eliminated the, the champagne, a pre-departure. They removed a lot of the wine selection because now you just get whatever is in the plane. Uh, there's no more magazines and newspaper. There's no more cheese and no more port. There's no more dessert selection. There's no more bedding. You know, the whole, they had like a cushion from Saks and the bedding and everything. Now you mostly don't get any of this anymore. And we're talking like a few months after they announced, like we're revamping the thing in the skies. They they don't give any of the chocolates here. I I still got them, but they are eliminating the chocolates as well. Uh, I I know this is small stuff here because anyway, whatever, we're in business class. I don't need chocolates. But all this added to what they promised they would do, and they're not announcing that they're removing everything. They're still leaving the PR page of what Polaris yeah, should be. Is, cool. yeah, they, I, I, perhaps this, what you, this is what you're referencing, but there was a discussion in an article, I think I saw it on Airliners or one of the other 400,000 web, aviation websites <laughs> I read, that was, the question I was posing is, what has Oscar Munoz actually done? And it listed all the things that you just mentioned, the sort of regression of of service and all not to mention the pet stuff we talked about but the degradation in service and not living up to promises and all that he may not be long for that job actually if the share price is performing he'll be there for the rest of his life but who who knows I, but you're right they've they're just not good at this <laughs> no really not and i uh, i said that earlier i almost regret paying a flight last December to try to had a promo deal or whatever because I'm like I, I, I don't want to give money to a company like that anymore I'm not going to fly United anymore That's it's a very privileged thing to do we don't have to fly United because we live in the UK 
But even I think if I were to live in San Francisco, where United owns half of the airport, I would try to fly anything else but United or yeah, go Norwegian in Auckland because it's I can't I can't for the life of me believe in a company like that. You know? No, <laughs> I, I, I I agree. I agree. I mean, I, you know, BA that we travel both with a lot does a lot of sometimes bad things, but not to that extent. It's yeah. not a rotten to the core thing. No, and I don't think it's endemic as well at BA. We're we're harsh on BA because I think. We have high expectations of them. And more often than not, when we're not complaining about them, it's because they are hitting those expectations. There's, they're not, there's not this habitual failure that United seem to be in the midst of. Yeah. Last bit about United, just a, a very quick um, mention because we want to move on. Uh, there was an interesting article on crankyflyer.com about the scope closes. You remember we talked about the scope closes and it basically it's a way, it's a protective way. So, you know, they have to basically segregate businesses with uh, which is large aircrafts, you know, the Airbuses and the Boeings, the large ones. And the smaller regional airlines are limited to a much smaller aircrafts, which creates a problem for uh, especially, I think, Delta and United to being buying, for example, the, for example, the Mitsubishi aircraft yes. or the C-Series. It's an interesting article in Karanke Flyer because he really gives the laydown of what's going on. We see that American, the way they negotiated these agreements with the pilots, give them more freedom about what they can do, which allows them to buy uh, some of these smaller aircraft because that's the thing. Now they, these airlines want to be buying C-Series or Mitsubishi's, etc. I'm not saying here specifically C-Series and Mitsubishi, but they are interested in buying 70 seats aircrafts. And under these rules, they can't. But American has more leeway. Delta had not a lot of leeway, but negotiated with the pilots and gave them a lot back in order to being able to buy the C-Series because you remember that's the whole story they wanted to buy. That's how this big story with uh, the protectionism in the US uh, started. But United wants both ways. They want clearly to be buying because, you know, if both American and Delta are able to shuttle, you know, planes of 70 people, but United is not, they have a competitive disadvantage. The thing is, Munoz here wants to both buy these type of aircraft to be competitive, but not give anything to the pilots in exchange. <laughs> nice guy, <laughs> Which means, huh? Good luck. I mean, Anyway, let's not talk about scope closes too much because it's a bit tedious probably, but I'll put the link in the show notes whenever the show notes are back or simply messages and I'll send you the link, crankyflyer.com. He always has great articles about the state of the industry, way more in-depth than we do on this uh, podcast. Yeah, let's talk about Angola. It's uh, the story <laughs> about to another. I love this so much. Yeah, go ahead. So tell, tell us the story. No, I... It... I like this for a bunch of different reasons. The first is because it's hilariously awful. But the second is I know it's true because my father lived in Angola for a while and can validate so much of what was said in this article. And it is it One Mile at a Time who, who did Correct. it? Correct. So One Mile at right. a Time, his wonderful, wonderful uh, airline reviewer, if you will, wrote this extraordinary article about his experience flying on TAG Angola, the National Airline of Angola, in, in first class, right? And it's the most – comedy of errors is making it sound really a lot nicer than it actually was, where he was sort of emotionally abused by the flight <laughs> attendants who kept um, yelling at him and aggressively asking him not to take photos and interrogating him to, to understand why he was taking photos, demanding that he delete photos. All he's doing is taking pictures of the inside of the airplane, his food, 
so he could do what he does, which is write these wonderful reviews of his of his airline experiences and how the flight attendants fell asleep pretty much after takeoff and didn't really move afterwards, would slap down the food on his tray. Uh, oh, how how when he left the airplane, they were gathering up all of the uh, uneaten food and booze and putting them in their bags. <laughs> Extraordinary tale of just utter contempt for the traveling public that is completely believable. He was not trying to diss the, the, the company because he, if you read his reviews, even for airlines that have older products that might not compare to the shiny products that some of the better airlines have, is always very positive. He tries to find... Yeah. So he, he was not there to take pictures and say, look, ha, 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 they're really old. By the way, their first class is, I think it's very similar to what Oman Air as in business or first as well. Yes. It looks nice. It's an older product, but older product also sometimes mean larger seats. Everybody has a access. It's really nice. So he was really like enthusiastic about doing it. Yeah, he was really for living forward to it. Like you said, they were asking him like, why are you taking pictures? They were like demanding to see his phone to remove the pictures. And also, they when he was actually simply writing... They came to him and says, what are you writing? We want to see it. Like, come, fuck, what? what? Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, did you ever had an experience when you ever had a flight attendant or someone who told you not to? Once, and it, it was, I was taking pictures. I th- But this was a long time ago. I, I, I don't think uh, I've had it ever since. Yeah, I had a Iberia last year uh, coming from Madrid to London with uh, one of their 340s. Uh, I was in business class and I just took a picture. You know, I always try to board super early so yeah. there's still no one because I understand that bit. I understand the privacy part of it. Like, I, you don't, maybe, I don't, somebody else doesn't want to be on a picture. I know that nowadays it's almost quaint because, you know, everything is filmed. I mean, well, exactly. picture. <laughs> but, well, I would understand that, that an airline says, you know, because of the privacy of other passengers, please refrain from taking pictures. Fine. But really, at that point in time, I just took a very nice picture of the, the cabin and really not even like something, you know, I was not doing any reviews. But I got from the flight attendant, oh my God, like I was like some, some kind of terrorist. Not in that way. I stopped because I was like, fine, don't worry. I'm not here to, to create any. But guys, you know, first you have a policy, maybe. But the way you say it, you could have... Exactly. That, yeah, just tell me, sir, please, we would rather you not take pictures and that's fine i mean i'm just i'm not going like going to a ruckus for that but i anyway. just I, do, I think it's a non-issue these days I, I i i can understand if there are particular airlines in particular parts of the world where security is more of a concern than we're fortunate to have to have here in the uk that they may have policies for that reason and that's a that that's fine that's completely understandable and i would never ever debate that but as you say how you communicate that policy when someone who to someone who doesn't know that you have that policy, it's the critical difference between, oh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, and an argument. Yeah, there was this other story in the U.S. Uh, Silver Airways, uh, pretty similar, but there's one big difference that I think is important here is that uh, I don't want to go into like identity politics or whatever, but. We are also two white men, and it helps because we're not going to be suspected of anything. And there was a person who ended up actually being Polish. He was really excited to take a Saab 340, took a few pictures of it on the ground, walking towards the plane. The flight attendants asked them about the picture. The guy probably didn't speak very well English. They were not sure about where he was from because Polish for them was probably very, very different. They they basically had the police come in and escort him out for three pictures. Oh, my God, right? That's ridiculous. (laughs) 
suspicious passenger. So guys, if you take pictures and you're suspicious, meaning, you know, airlines should know better. There's a, I understand there are times when people are stressed out, again, flight attendants included, so I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but there are ways of doing things yeah. that can often be simply like, oh, look, I just took a picture of the wing because I'm an AV geek. You don't become a terrorist because you've done that. No, well, exactly. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Wi-Fi uh, in the air in Europe, because it's a black hole, right? <laughs> it sure is. And we talked about this, I think, in... Oh, yeah, you were saying in, on your Garuda flight, how the, there was there's connectivity. Most airlines in Asia seem to have it. Almost every airline in the U.S. has it. But we... Not a sniff of it for us over here. <laughs> nothing. Like, really nothing. And that's uh, interesting, because there's been a, a few articles that are around that. Uh, first, what you said is correct. The FT reported that in the US, 80% of passengers flew on a plane offering in-flight Wi-Fi. Yeah, I believe uh, that. In Europe, which is the busiest airspace in the world, there's almost no Wi-Fi. It's starting. I'm not saying there's none. There's a Norwegian has clearly started yeah. it, but they fly internationally. I think EasyJet, but EasyJet, I'm not sure if it's just streaming for content or you can get Wi-Fi. Guys, if you've if you've flown them recently, tell us because I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I'm not entirely uh, sure either. The good news is because it's uh, the London School of Economics estimated that the total revenue for in-flight broadband by 2035 will be 130 billion. So you know it's a boon for airlines for being selling you like expensive Wi-Fi. Inmarsat is launching satellites to allow this to happen. And now this is why we've heard these rumors about Lufthansa, about yeah. EA, about all the others saying that they are starting to offer Wi-Fi because the satellites are being put in place. Apparently, will be very fast. We'll know that once we actually uh, have it because it will be also a system of part satellite, part on the ground. Very sensible. Which apparently will, yeah, which will, will probably allow us to have good Wi-Fi. The one caveat though is that Viasat, which is the one of the largest providers, again, for satellites, especially the uh, in the US are threatening the EU to court they're saying that Inmarsat is blatantly misusing the spectrum because it was not supposed to be for in-flight Wi-Fi or whatever so I'm just hoping as a passenger that guys let us have freaking Wi-Fi yeah <laughs> was it in a, I wonder if they're making claims that it was you know they were awarded the the bandwidth based on a certain activity and they mobile. are going to use it for something else instead. Exactly. Mobile, it was supposed to be for mo cellular, so mobile communication. So getting you and me having bad signal in London, I guess. <laughs> and uh, and it's being used for, for in-flight Wi-Fi. So, and I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying, as again, as a passenger, I'd like them to make peace and so we could get something for crying yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. As passengers, we kind of don't care what your intra-corporate battles are. Just give us our... Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. About that, the travelstatsman.com is a listener, wrote a very interesting article about uh, the number of airlines that have Wi-Fi. And he used a Skytrax. So he said, okay, looking at the best airlines in Skytrax, how many of them actually offer uh, Wi-Fi, both regionally and or internationally. And uh, 67 of airlines in the top 99 offer internet on at least one of their routes. Well, I mean, at least one, but uh, the, the top 20 Skytrax rated airlines all have in-flight internet services available. So meaning there's a... Yeah, yeah, but you know what? BA I was going to say, is BA in that list? Because they don't really. They've got like, what, two, three? Yeah, but that's the thing. If they have, it means they offer. That's that's where the, the stats, of course, is is, is cooed uh, <laughs> a little bit. Mm -hmm. But on international airlines, I think he surveyed, I don't have it now in front of me, a 75 or something, it says only 50, 55 have onboard internet. 
And unsurprisingly, there's a smaller share of regional airlines that have uh, Wi-Fi on board. But again, we're talking here uh, globally. Anyway, it's a very, always, as always, what he does, very interesting article. He also, which, which I like, he gives the entire... Uh, spreadsheet uh, is open to the public on Google Docs, oh, nice. so you can actually take a look at what is actually BA doing. So I'll, I'll just put the links on the show notes, but since again the show notes are late, travelstatsman.com. All the articles there are always very nice. Uh, last thing about Wi-Fi, uh, one of our listeners, Kenny Davies, uh, living in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, in Canada, must be very cold right now, mm. <laughs> so, has been uh, uh, saying that he's, he's enjoyed very much uh, our past episode, our 68, about Garuda. And uh, he said that when he flew from Dublin to Oslo on Norwegian, they had free Wi-Fi. So there you go. There are some airlines that actually offer Wi-Fi. We know Norwegian is very well ahead of the game there, right? Very much so. He tells us that uh, WestJet offers internet as well. Have you ever oh. flown WestJet? No, I haven't. I haven't. The only other airline I've flown in Canada is Porter, who are fantastic. I haven't flown WestJet yet. Yeah, I don't think I've ever flown any Canadian airline ever, not even Air Canada, or maybe when I was a kid. I'm not even sure. There was clearly no Wi-Fi, though, when I was a kid. Nobody even knew what the internet was or something. <laughs> <laughs> what he wrote about West just looks like a nice, you know, they have live TV, they offer you tablets and everything, so it could be actually an interesting airline to fly. And he says that Air Canada Rouge, which is the... I think the regional part of Air Canada also has uh, has Wi-Fi. We should we should invite someone from Canada to tell us about that airspace because I've really I've no idea yeah. what's going on. Yeah, same. To be I'd love to to hear more about it. Oh yeah, and I like how Norwegian does thing. Uh, we were having this discussion with Kenny on on Facebook, and he was telling me how he was able to bid for the upgrade on Norwegian, and he bid the minimum and got upgraded in in, in premium economy. It's great because. These airlines, newer airlines, make it so easy to process of like, you know, I'm ready to shell, I don't know, let's say $100 to have an upgrade. Don't make it hard. Just allow me to say that I want to do it. And why not? And he got and he won and he had a great flight. Why? I'm trying to get some of my flights upgraded. Sometimes I, I blah, it's just a freaking nightmare to do yeah. so on some airlines, it, to be honest. It, it is. I, I'm always fascinated by how the American system works on the on the majors anyway, where you just sort of seem to get added to an upgrade list anyway, and you're often upgraded. I hardly ever get upgraded. And that, that's fine, like just as an operational upgrade. But even trying to upgrade through the normal channels seems painfully difficult. Maybe we would have better luck if we were, instead, for instance, of me being on Star Lufthansa, I would be on United's program. And instead of you being on BA, you'd be on AA's program. Maybe yeah. they, they prioritize their own customers first and then they definitely international. Do. Certainly within yeah. one world, they do. Yeah. Well, same on Star. Uh, so probably that's that. Uh, one more of our listeners sent us a, a message, John, uh, <laughs> because we were talking about the longest flight you can have from London, which one I took to Jakarta with Garuda. He told us that he's about to fly Dallas to Hong Kong. That's oh. 8,300 miles. That's almost 17 hours of flight. You know what? American first class. That must be good, John. We're yeah, very jealous. Yeah, that does sound good. Still, that's a long time to be in an airplane. <laughs> yeah, well, you better have a lot of movies to watch. So from first class, let's go back to a basic economy because that's the other big trend. Because of the Norwegians, etc., the other airlines have to kind of react. And uh, we know that some of the airlines within the U.S. have introduced basic economy. It's not gone well for every single one of them, yeah. but they have done so. 
And now they are introducing the same on transatlantic routes. So American Airlines has international basic economy, I think, non-refundable, non-gradable, no allowance for checked baggage, uh, no assigned seats, but you still can have one free carry-on on the overhead bin. Whereas in domestic, you know, basic economy, you can just put stuff in front of your feet, I think. Uh, British Airways is also expanding their basic economy to long haul. It was only short haul. They say it's going to be about 20% less than a standard economy. And Virgin Atlantic is also introducing economy light. And I think also similarly, non-refundable, non-upgradable, no seat, uh, just hand luggage only, etc. It's it's a trend, right? Because you have to react to Norwegian, I guess. And wow, yeah. you as long as as long as <laughs> you're not, the you're not very you're not smiling there. <laughs> no, because uh, it's great, uh, you know, for as you say for for hand luggage only travelers. I think it's it's a good thing, but I do I keep worrying that this is just a mechanism for the base price to creep up even further, and we're going to be paying more and more and more and more for things that used to be built into the ticket price. Uh, yeah. I, I I don't see this as a good thing for consumers. I just think this no. is a way of. Yeah generating more ancillary revenue for airlines. Again, this we've been through this 10 years ago in the US. And was it beneficial for the for the passenger? Ultimately, no. So yeah, exactly. I, I remain skeptical. But prove me wrong, airlines. Prove me wrong. <laughs> uh, we had one question from our listener, uh, Elizabeth, since we're talking about uh, transatlantic routes. It's a question that keeps coming. Uh, like every week, I, I hear some of these questions. Why do airlines still have ashtrays? She was flying a brand new, I think it was a Dreamliner, and there is an ashtray in the lavatory. Do you have an answer? No. <laughs> I had to look it up because, you know, they clearly build still ashtrays in airliners. And, and I think, you know, what, the smoking ban must have happened in the 90s in the U.S. and probably 92 internationally yeah, yeah. or something. So we're talking about, you know, a long, long, long time ago. It's just that there was uh, an incident, an accident, let's not call it an incident, when a flight crashed in the 70s. And it was proven that the reason the flight crashed was an improperly disposed cigarette butt. You know, ah. so basically caught fire. And so they're saying that, look, we know it's forbidden. You shouldn't smoke. But in the unlikelihood of someone actually still trying to cheat and smoke in the lavatory, although we know there are smoke detectors, et cetera, et cetera, would rather have him or her put the butt in the ashtray, then actually create yet another fire and kill everyone on board. That's, I think that's a major reason we still have ashtray. There's no, no, you cannot, there's not a single flight in the world. I've heard a friend of mine telling me that flying in Tajikistan, there's some airlines that just still do it or something, but yeah. I, 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 that doesn't exist. I think it's just that reason, just to be- I, I think that makes sense. I think that makes sense. It's, yeah. it's a, the most sensible uh, explanation that I've heard. Elizabeth, that is why we have ashtray seals in our craft. And it's true. I've also flown recently uh, Dreamliners. And it's true that it's a bit like awkward to see an ashtray in a Dreamliner. Like, what? <laughs> this, yeah. is, this aircraft is like a year old and you have an ashtray. Okay. Uh, so since we're doing transatlantic back and forth between the US and the UK, back to the UK. Willie Walsh called uh, the FT fake news. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yes, this is funny. <laughs> that, was, that was stupid. So the, the, the story is, Willie Walsh, let's go in order. Uh, Willie Walsh wrote uh, um, an op-ed in the FT, maybe in January, telling that uh, Ethereum should lose its monopoly. So let's start there. So saying that Ethereum is too expensive, uh, guys, 
in the US, uh, airports are public utilities. More often than not, in Europe, they are privatized more often than so they belong to either a private group or multiple groups or mixed public, uh, private. So Heathrow should be broken down, even have each terminal being run by an independent company. Do you think it's an interesting idea, sound idea? Or? No, it sounds entirely <laughs> self-serving. The, the only reason why they want to do that is because it would benefit them <laughs> and nobody else. Yeah. I think there, was the, uh, there must be at least 50% of Ether is them, no? Uh, oh, at least, yeah. What I would say as well is, besides being self-serving, is that if you try to transfer at GFK, which has that model of each, basically, airline deciding what they do with their own terminal, it's a nightmare yeah. because they don't really talk to each other, right? At least Ethro has a pretty good, I mean, some people say it could be better, but at least an, an okay way to transfer between terminals if you have to. I'm afraid that if you start breaking it down, then it will be like a, a, a hell to be going from terminals at exactly. five. Exactly. <laughs> That's, I don't want and then, you know, somebody else owns the terminal and that terminal. And then you're like, oh, you can't go through here unless you've got this or you paid that. Or I just, I no. <laughs> <laughs> the major problem, and that's the fake news that he called the major problem, and we touched upon it, that the UK will have upon Brexit is the ownership rules that will suddenly make IAG, for instance, non-compliant with uh, EU rules, which also means that they could be simply losing the Open Skies Agreement within Europe because because of Brexit, and thus being losing their rights to fly within Europe, and especially the rights to pick up passengers. And that's what the FT wrote, says you have a problem, not only AEG, all the companies that have base in the UK, that, that includes EasyJet, which now has set up operations also abroad, and Willy War says, no, this is fake news, we'll never have an issue, we'll have a comprehensive agreement with uh, Europe. Uh, we, I, I do think that IAG will be in trouble after yeah, Brexit. Yeah, I do too. I think that they're massively downplaying this. And I think that yeah. Ryanair have figured it out, EasyJet have figured it out. And I don't think that saying, you know, sticking your fingers in your ear and saying, la, 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 it's not an issue, <laughs> actually makes it not an issue. Let's not pretend that they're not thinking about this, because obviously they are. But yeah. to deny it in such vehement terms seems counterproductive. Absolutely. And also, the U.S. said, oh, well, because the open skies agreement between the U.S. and Europe is done with the EU not with the UK. So yeah. again, new agreement has been done. And the UK had the assumption that the US will give them similar rights. And the US just came back and said, you know what, we're going to give you a worse deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that caught everybody by surprise. Uh, you know, whether that's just a negotiating stance remains to be seen, but that's not a good foot to start on. You know, we are seemingly in an era of protectionism. Everyone, if they can, I would understand even if Lufthansa or Air France do some kind of pressure over EU authorities to not give a, a sweet deal to the UK because they will say, you know, well, well, you know, they're not European anymore. This is our market, not theirs. Why would our, would they? I'm not here taking the stance of Brexit, by the way, guys. I'm just saying that it's more like Alex just mentioned. BAIG, they seem to be downplaying all this. Yeah. And this is upcoming like in a year. In a year, there's no more rights to fly in Europe for yeah. uh, uh, British Airways. It's crazy. It's extraordinary. I, I And there's so many facets of this and so many examples of this in other industries as well, where you have certain industry analysts going, have we thought about X and how that's going to work? <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, the answer is no. The answer is no. 
Anyway, at least we'll have our crossroads, so we'll have a new way to go the Elizabeth line, uh, a new way to go to Ethrow, so it will be Ethrow Express, Ethrow Connect, the tube, or that Elizabeth line. The irony is that uh, our mayor in London, Sadiq Khan, said that the Elizabeth line would be priced at a similar price to the tube, which would have been a great deal to go to Ethro with. Uh, only that, uh, yeah, it's going to be priced as a tube, just not to Ethro. All the rest of the line will be priced as a tube, but the Ethro, they will be matching the price of the Ethro Express, Express, which means Connect. Connect is reasonable. Express is a ripoff. Uh, what's the difference in terms of pricing? Do you remember? Oh, like more or less? Uh, I think the... Express now is like 25 if you buy on the day and Connect is 13. Okay. But still, you know, the tube is what, four? Yeah. If you pay with cash or off peak, three or two if you pay with the Oyster card of a contactless. I mean, it's really cheap. I feel it's still a way to protect the Ethro Connect because, of course, if they would have the Elizabeth line priced at two prices, nobody would actually go right, to exactly. the Exactly. <laughs> Uh, talking about Ethro, no third runway. We don't know where that is, but Narita. <laughs> Narita. Yes. It's, 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 it's getting finally. You remember episode 50, guys? At the end, we spoke for about 20 minutes about the crazy history of Narita, that they would never been able to expand, that they were like building like bits of runways to kind of expand the runway. They're getting a new runway. Extraordinary. This kind of came out of nowhere as well. And I think you, you quite rightly said Haneda is getting better and better. They're getting more and more service to more and more countries. They needed to do something, and they have. They will also expand the operating hours, meaning before I think the last flight was leaving at 11. I remember my flight from the flight I was commuting. Commuting is a bit of an exaggeration, but from Japan to Europe, I was always taking Air France. It was the last flight to leave at 11, and that was the cutoff time. That that cutoff will be uh, 90 minutes later, and also starting operations at 5 a.m. and not at 6 a.m., so that gives a bit more of, uh, of course, traffic to Narita. They will build a, a third runway and extend the existing second one uh, by a thousand meters. So that will lead to an expansion of slots from 300,000 to 500,000. And they will that's, also being... Yeah, that's a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> which will mean that the airport at capacity, which is not now, will be able to handle 75 million passengers. Currently, it handles around 40 million. So it's Pretty big expansion, yeah, of and, the and, and very sensible as well to to do this and not future proof, but you know at least invest for decades and not years. That's not where you're flying uh, next week or in two weeks, right? You're flying to Haneda, right? We are no, neither. We're flying to Incheon and then we fly to Osaka from Incheon. Oh from, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. we have. I I couldn't resist the allure of Osaka. We were. You're right. We were originally going to fly into Narita. But I wanted to show my family Osaka because I, I love it there uh, so much. So we're going to fly on Peach. So that'll be a new I, experience. I so want to know what it's like because I've never flown them. Yeah, I'll be, I think, you know, were LCC. They, so. were, they, were they expensive? Mm, no, not really. Uh, I mean, what I would expect to pay for a, I think it's like one hour and 40 minute flight. Yeah. Um, with no bells and whistles. It was, it was fine and you you they have tiers of of affairs speaking of tiers of affairs uh that some that include being able to pick your seat and you get a bag included and all that stuff so uh, we'll see how it goes in practice but uh, it was one of the better booking sites i've used for airlines in that region as well some are extraordinarily difficult to use 
<laughs> I know. It's like it's a puzzle. Like it's on purpose to make it. Hmm. It's a journey. It's an adventure. I need to understand how that works. Yeah. Sometimes it's really literally impossible. By the way, uh, Asiana and Korean Air. I've so it's not only Japan. I've also similar. Sometimes websites you're like, what am I doing here? Yeah, what yeah. Am I supposed to click on. <laughs> and then, yeah. So I'm saying I'm gonna download the app because probably the app is easier. No, <laughs> it's really, it's a, the UX is, is sometimes a bit puzzling. Uh, but you'll be you'll be flying then back to Europe with the Ayaneda, right? Ayaneda on on BA. So talking about Japan, your latest episode of uh, Attaché just came out. Kyushu, man, it's the most wonderful episode you've ever done. Thank the you. quality is off the charts. Probably because it felt a bit like maybe Beirut as well. It felt less of a city guide and more of an ode to a region or a, a place. Yes. And that that I really enjoyed that tone. It's guys, if you haven't seen it, and I know that we have a lot of crossover people listening, uh, from uh Attache and of course Mastication Nation, but probably everyone who's listening to this has already watched it. But watch it the second time then. No, yeah, it's thank really, you. It was, really good. it was great to film in such a beautiful region and I got to fly to some neat airports and some on some neat airlines, which we talked about in past episodes. But yeah, thank you. It's, it was a fun episode to make. And Greg, as usual, did his wizardry to make it look as beautiful as it does. You filmed also within ANA. I love the bit at the end. I'm not going to reveal it, but there, are, there's a as an AV gate. It's it's really cool to 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 look at as well. And I, I'm very jealous of you being able to come early in a flight and being able to do this kind of filming. I wish I could do that. I have an entire flight empty and do take pretty pictures with yeah, they, passengers. They, they were wonderful about that and, and really helped us. And actually it's it's the second time we've done that with, with airlines where we've come on during a turn and it's humbling is such a trite word, but it was fascinating and humbling in a way to see the amount of work by the amount of people in the in such a short period of time required to take a plane that's come twelve hours across the world ready to do the same thing again with a new set of people just it, it's really rather impressive and to watch i've, I've never had the, the luck the to, to, to do that i, I need to find a, a reason I'm, I'm gonna just put up a fake show online to say yeah i need to film you when you <laughs> no, i'm kidding guys. alex is much better at this than i will ever be still attaché the book the, the book. book the book tell us about the book it's like giving birth it was like giving birth <laughs> but the book which we haven't actually talked about too much on the show. Uh, we kickstarted it last year. It, it went really well. And then we had to write it. <laughs> so I wrote uh, 30,000 words. It's a monster. It's 232 pages. Kickstarter backers should be uh, getting theirs by the time this airs. And we are, because of so many people asking for it, we're actually putting it out for sale. So you can buy it now on our website, which is attachetravel.net, att a-C-H-E, travel.net. And you can buy the physical copy, uh, a signed copy, which will um, benefit a very, very wonderful charity called Anthony Nolan. And for our beloved listeners, there's a promo code for 20% off the, the normal book. And if you go on there, add it to your cart and use the promo code layovers, all one word, you will get 20% off. So go and buy it. Tell me what you think. I would be hugely appreciated. Well, and actually, uh, I'm probably getting the book right now while we're recording, but I'm not able to go open the door. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a few friends of ours have actually received them already, uh, and they've uh, sent uh, pictures. I think you're also asking people to, whenever they receive them, to 
tag you on whether it's yeah. Instagram on, on or Facebook post, or post or on social Inst- media and, and let me know. I, I I want to hear what people think, and I just I'm happy that that it's finally arriving on people's uh, doormats. I'm really looking forward. I had a preview of Tokyo in Manila because you were kind enough to send me the the PDF file to take a quick look. So I, I I'm really very really excited. Congrats! No, Alex. thank you very Congrats. much. It's the second baby of the year actually for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 since people were clamoring for it, apparently we also recorded uh, an episode of Mastication Nation about airplanes. Yes, too. you were you were kind enough to join us as a guest to record the L version or L episode of Mastication Nation, the L for layovers. And we we had a, it was really good fun. We had a long conversation about airplane food. If you jump onto the Mastication Nation podcast on whatever app or device or platform you use, uh, it's there. It's a really good conversation. Thank you for joining us. It was it was fun. It was really fun. And we'll do a follow-up one of these days with Will and you, so the two brothers together, on this show to talk uh, more about food. Because there's so much. What I really loved about about uh, Will is that he, he had done the research, he, the science of it, and, you know, dispelled some of the myths and explained this. So, guys, really listen to it. It was I learned stuff when I was actually recording the, the show w- with you guys. So it <laughs> yeah, was really, too. really cool. Will, you're an inspiration. <laughs> 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 Let's not push it. <laughs> I know he's your brother. By the way, I'm, I'm seeing your other brother just after we record this. I'm going to have the, the three brothers in line to eat. I'm so sorry. <laughs> So, talking about being sorry, let's move. Uh, I don't know how to go to there. There's no link within these stories. That news you sent me, the piece of news of Aeroflot was going to blacklist frequent flyers if they misbehave in flight. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, crazy. Great. Yeah. That, uh, but it's 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 unprecedented that an airline would say they are most loyal customers. So frequent flyers, status, etc. If you misbehave, of course, not just we're talking like really misbehaving. Yeah, they've they've sort of said exactly what that means. We're gonna strip you of all your rights, all of your points, all of your status, and also for flying with us. Yeah. Nothing anymore. Yeah, I think it's a good idea because it, it it is a problem. I think especially domestically in uh, within on domestic routes and. In Russia, and they're just taking a hard line on it to prevent things which could end up being very, very dangerous. So I, th- I th- and we've talked about this in the past where people have done stupid things. Do you remember the guy? Was it JetBlue? Who was flying? Somebody was flying on a buddy pass and just went completely cuckoo bananas on the flight and destroyed the trash <laughs> yeah. airplane. Bad for life. Yeah, fine. I, I, I agree. I think that's great. And if you threaten me with taking away my status on an airline. I will be on my best behavior. Not that I'm not anyway, but... <laughs> yeah, because I was about to say you don't need that. But yeah, actually, China is taking a different stance. Yeah, uh, they're implementing their social credit thing, which is a bit 1984, big brothery mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, so, you know, uh, basically you have a point system. So it's, it's like for status of frequent flyers, but for your everyday life, right? And uh, I don't know if I think it's a good idea, but they are saying that if your social credit, social status, basically your absence of gold card in real life or something, uh, if you are too low, so if you're a bad person, I guess, you will be banned from actually flying as well, which I, 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 I don't know. It seems a bit science fiction to us, but... There's a I'm- really distressing Black Mirror episode about this. <laughs> I, mean, I think yeah, exactly. season three, I think. Uh, yeah, season three, yeah. Really hard to watch, as they all are. It addresses this. I I don't... Can we not do this, please? <laughs> <laughs> I hope we never get to do that. It's hard enough to fight for status on airlines. Don't make me fight for, like, everything else in my life. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> so moving on from being blacklisted to having a famous experience in disguise, we know that Qatar Airways uh, has started implementing their Q-suite, their famous Q-suite we haven't flown yet, in their 777, retrofitting the 777s, but they also are introducing it in their new 350, which they just got the delivery for, the first ever 350-1000. How do you say that? Dash 1000? Oh, yeah. Good point. How do you say that? A350-1000. That's how I would say it. A350-10? That doesn't doesn't work. Anyway, and uh, Alex Machera, so he's on Twitter. He's a young guy, very lucky to be flying all the brand new stuff. He posted some pictures. They were also used by, I think, the Daily Mail and others. So if you want to see how the Q-Suite looks like, the 350-1000 looks like a really darn good plane. But the Q-Suite looks like a really darn good product. I'm wondering, uh, Alex hasn't said so. Alex Machera is not Alex Hunter. Whether there's an actual difference between the Quiz Suite in the Triple Seven and the Three Fifty, I know that the, the the cabin is not exactly the same. But I really want to try this Q Suite once in my life. It's, Me too. Me too. It looks like a fantastic product. And we're on one world, so yeah, it makes not, sense. I mean, maybe out to Asia. This is not what you're flying to Seoul with, right? Were you flying what BA? BA Direct, yeah. Okay, you'll tell us all about it, guys. Probably the next episode, which will be after we both leave. Uh, we'll be in Cheon because I have been recently and Alex would have been mm. recently as well. So although we have already done it, we'll have a, like a fresh yeah. memory of it. It's a, it's a no, nothing nice wrong airport. with that. Um, Turkish, which is one of the largest airlines in the world in terms, and I think their largest in terms of number of destinations served. Uh, Turkish has always been the airline that is trying to balance its Airbus orders and Boeing orders. They almost have like a 50-50 split, I think. On long haul, slightly more Airbuses, and on short haul, a lot of 737. So that that's the split is pretty even. So they're buying, uh, I think, 30 350 and 30 Dreamliners dash eights. So really, like, again, let's please both sides, which is great because it also means they will have because they have a lot of 330s, which I'm not a huge fan of. So they they're gonna replace with 350s. So I'm really looking forward to them having uh, newer aircrafts. You've not flown them or not recently? At yeah, uh, I don't think I've flown on in the, on them in years. So it's not too bad. Uh, uh, I actually enjoy the food, especially I love the food. Uh, did I mention in the Mastication Nation episode? I'm not sure, but the kebab is absolutely yes, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I want to try them. Yeah, the kebab is amazing, guys. Good luck to uh, Turkish. Uh, we were talking about Qatar. The news that we haven't touched upon yet, which is pretty interesting, is the creation of Air Italy. Yeah. Out of the ashes from... Uh, Meridiana. Meridiana, I think. I don't know why I can remember. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure it's ashes because Meridiana was not even faltering. They were just... Yeah, they were... No, no, this is a... This is a uh, uh, you're right. A, a much-deserved facelift after Qatar Airways... They own 49% of it now? Yeah, because of the legal limit of EU yeah. rules. Yeah. So they've, they've pumped a lot of money into this. They're now going to be to be rebranded as, as a direct competitor to the actually faltering Alitalia... Which was a very we did ponder this several episodes ago whether or not they were going to change the name and I think it's a it's a it's a sensible one it's a good one and the livery is 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 nice and elegant and clean the Meridiana one was very dated yeah uh, as was the fleet and which they are, <laughs> yeah I was about to say the fleet which they are also <laughs> refreshing so that's you know I'm excited for this I think this is great they've ordered twenty thirty seven max. They are leasing 
from Qatar Airways, <laughs> of, of course, course. Uh, three three twos. Uh, but they are ordering, I think, thirty Dreamliners at Dash wow. eights next year. Uh, so they're really looking to have a fleet of about fifty aircrafts within the next four years, and they're aiming at flying ten million passengers. I mean, Alitalia is. I mean, no court court decision has been taken. We don't know who's going to buy it. Lufthansa was interested. KLM was interested. Ryanair was interested at some point as well. Delta and Air France are with KLM as saying we don't want it to falter because they're an important piece of Sky Team. So Delta is looking at maybe buying a piece of it. That's all the rumors are floating. I don't know. But I mean, Qatar, I just wish for them that they are not going into the same direction as Etihad because Etihad tried that and failed everywhere. So I really hope that Qatar in their diversification succeeds because it's nice to have a another airline and probably a one world member yeah point that would be great i I, the more portfolio airlines they can add is is great because it means that i can go different places and it means competition for ba in the in the region on a few routes anyway oh that reminds me talking about competition nikolauda yes is there like that's amazing what happened right yeah (laughs) so what is it called it's called loud emotion isn't it yeah 25 percent of it bought by ryanair with an option or plan to buy up to 75% of it pending uh, regulatory approval. That's <laughs> great. It's amazing because the story was IAG had bought it. You know, the courts were not agreeing where the, the dissolution should happen. So it was transferred to Austria. Austria said no to IAG. is going to go back to Nikolauda. And Nikolauda agreed to sell it to Ryanair. And doing that, he actually said... I don't like old monopolies. I'm all for competition. So it's on purpose. It's clearly saying I didn't want BA to get it. I want someone fresher to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was very thinly veiled. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But amazing story. Um, last few bits of news and then we're going to move on. Uh, two happy ones and one less happy. One uh, very quick mention because we talked, I think, the last episode about the fact that we were never sure what product you would get where you fly a 777 from Emirates. And as we were recording this at the end, Emirates actually starting splashing on their main page, Emirates.com. Their new two-class 777, and so they didn't have mostly three classes, so the two-class 777 that has a new business class. It's still a ah. 232, so you still have no all ale access, but it's a vastly improved version yes. of the, at least with that, if you look at the seat map and you see two class, you'll know you're getting the new product. Yes. Although they have very few uh, aircrafts. And uh, if you're flying to Florida, I think Fort Lauderdale or Miami, I think uh, you will get the triple seven. Uh, I'm not planning to fly to Miami anytime, but uh, I, that I should actually just for the weather. Yeah, I'm going in May. <laughs> oh, lucky bastard! <laughs> <laughs> both of those stories, Air Italy and the Emirates thing, are both covered beautifully by Johnny Clark at the Design Air. So, you, yes, if you want to look at what we're talking about, then uh, then check it out. So if you don't have the money to pay for these amazing seats in the front of the cabin or don't have clients like Alex and I sometimes do that offer us this privilege of being in front of the cabin, you should have been in Russia, I think was it, uh, where an airliner departed from Yatkutsk and uh, lost almost $400 million worth of gold, platinum and diamonds. Like I think the the cargo hold opened just as he was taking off. off. Yeah. Sprayed over 26 kilometers of <laughs> gold, diamonds, and platinum. Ah, man, this is like, you know, really sometimes money falls from the yeah, sky. It's amazing. It's just extraordinary. The pictures were great. 
as well. I mean, and the airplane was pretty badly damaged. Everyone was fine. It was safe. But yeah, what an amazing caper movie scene this must have been. <laughs> yes, exactly. There was there was one of heist, I think. Was it Brussels Airport? Yeah. Eric? The, the, the L- diamond the heist. Lister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, gosh, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't thought about that in years. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that's another movie that should be done. Or was it maybe actually done? I don't know. It's one of these B-movies you... Yeah. On Channel 2000 and Emirates. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably. I'm flying them on Saturday, so I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, another news that is uh, like a, a internet not uh, right. We usually do not cover uh, crashes. First, because there's very few, which is great. Uh but this one in Nepal, uh, was it Kathmandu, which is known to be one of the most dangerous approaches in the world uh, already. Mm. Well, the mix-up between Tower and the pilot is unbelievable. Yeah, it it was a devastating crash. And the transcript, I don't think they've released the audio yet, of the Tower communication makes it sound like the pilot was disoriented or distracted and ended up landing in the wrong direction on the on their own way despite being told several times in not the clearest way actually no thing. It, 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 it was pretty explicit to start with and then it, it did get a little bit bit confused but landed the wrong direction on the wrong runway and crashed went off the edge it's of the really, runway didn't they really sad and uh uh, we, we're not probably going to follow up because we're not doing here inquiry about air crashes because it's not really, we try to be upbeat and positive. Yeah. But this, read it, and what was her name? Who was afraid of flying? Uh, oh, yes, wrote to us. Uh, yes, yeah, don't, please don't, don't read it. <laughs> don't, that actually really never happens. There's no, been was... no crashes last year, and this year is only one or two of jetliners, and again, in conditions that are not usual, really, yeah. that doesn't happen, really. Uh, so don't get and we will have uh someone uh that's already in the plan now to talk about uh, fear of flying courses etc that's being done as usual with us we're very slow getting guests because it's really hard enough to record the two of us yeah. so well, we, yeah, we are this getting is gonna there. Be a great contribution we're looking forward to it final piece of news uh i said earlier well if you don't have the money, you have clients that pay you uh, first business, etc. I mean, my clients don't pay me first. I just upgrade myself when I came with Mars, by the way. I wish my clients would pay me first. It happened to me one time in 2011. Uh, uh, first to Tokyo. That was amazing, man, on Emirates. Um, okay, back to what I was saying. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, another way to uh, live through what is first class if you've never done it. Go to Tokyo. There's a new restaurant called First Airlines. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> and uh, you are able to eat uh, with a VR headset. And you are as if you were in the seat of a first uh, class airline. I don't know which one or is it a fake airline. But that must be I've not done it. But next time I'm in Tokyo, I want to no try way. that. <laughs> yeah, you even get a boarding pass. Where, so I'm, which, I'll be in Tokyo in a couple of weeks. So you'll have to tell me yeah, where say- <laughs> to find it because my kids will love that. And also, what is apparently great is that you can choose where you go from Tokyo to X. So if you go to New York, the food that will be served will be inspired by the city you're going towards to. So that's actually really cool. If you that's go so to, cool. <laughs> if you, I think if you go to Italy, you're going to get tiramisu. And I guess if you go to Greece, you get a moussaka or something. And if you go to New York, I think you have a, a Angus beef steak. There I think. you go. So it's, nice. it's, it's, <laughs> I love the idea, man. I love the idea. There was, by the way, there was... um. Is it in Kuala Lumpur? There, there, there is, or Kuala Lumpur, or maybe Taipei, actually, where I'm going to 
because uh, I said I was going to Kuala Lumpur and I'm ending up going to 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 Taipei. There is also like a, a hotel which is also called something airline, and I think every single room is designed as a vast cabin or something. Oh, that's so cool! <laughs> that's so cool. I'll report back if I. That's not the hotel I'm going to, but if it's in Taipei and I'm there, I'm gonna check yeah, it out. Yeah, definitely for. For sure. So, uh, Charlotte, uh, so have you been to the airport? I haven't been there, no. I've been to a few in that region, but never to Charlotte. So Charlotte was the hub for U.S. Airways, along with uh, Philadelphia, actually. And, and I think Phoenix. Uh, Sky Harbor. and Because Red of their America West purchase. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well, this airline disappeared in the whole aftermath of all the problems U.S. airspace has had and was absorbed by AA. I haven't flown AA in, what, 12 years. I really want to fly them again. And I'm, yeah, I, I have to say on, on, on. Oh, actually, I, I have, but it was in a U.S. Airways plane. I flew from Philadelphia to Manchester, and it was good. Are you not going... When are you going to Miami? Are you flying AA or flying... I, you know, I'm flying BA to Miami, and then I am flying American from... Miami to Tampa. Nice. So just a short flight, but again, it'll be interesting. I actually, I, now that I think about it, I've flown regionally on the on American quite often, and I like them. Always liked Delta, uh, although I haven't because you know I, I went off Sky Team, so I haven't flown them in a while. Uh, it's really United that I don't like. Actually, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's forget about it. So Charlotte. Uh, I, I don't really know a lot about the airport. Uh, I did a layover there. Uh, I will say two main things. And I, I'm pretty sure that everyone who has ever transited in Charlotte will tell you the same thing. The rocking chair. Yes. So they, That's a staple in that whole region because Wilmington Airport has it as well. But they started it by accident. They were the first ones. They did in in, in 97. They had a photography exhibit uh, that was called porch sitting so they had the photography exhibit and they put these rocking chairs as part of the exhibition then when they dismantled the exhibition where are the rocking chairs where are the rocking chairs so that's so the great. airports scrambled back to bring back those and kept adding them everywhere and that became a trend as you say in the rural region there's other airports that have them as well i love rocking chairs there's something you know being in an airport can be tense mm. Uh, can be a, like it's fast-paced experience, and then you're on a rocking chair. Yeah, it's and especially so with the good. views on the apron, it's so fantastic. Yeah, I love I, it. I, it's such a good I, idea. So uh, for, just for that, Charlotte oh, stayed in my mind because it's it was for me it was my first ever experience with a rocking chair. I was like, oh wow, this is really. And you know, instead of going to the the lounge, I actually stayed on a rocking chair in front of seeing the airplanes. It was really fantastic. I would do the same <laughs> thing. I really loved it. The other thing. The region is known for is uh, barbecue, right? Uh, the North Carolina style barbecue. Yep. Uh, so they put like the, the entire pig is barbecued, you know, and not all the, and the parts are then chopped and mixed together. It's delicious. They have some pretty cool barbecue shops within the airport. So you can eat that type of barbecue. So I would say that's the other thing you should do. Instead of taking bland food at some lounge, they are. Just pick up some food on, on, on a tray and go on a rocking chair, have barbecue while watching the planes. I think it's just 100%. for that. <laughs> Look, this is a great airport, just just for that. Honestly, the rest, I cannot 
really tell if it's was it easy to to navigate yeah pretty much it was not the easiest ever but i liked and you know what it's an important airport because it's, it's these airports that unless you've flown them you don't realize but the it's the i think it's the 10th busiest airport in the u.s or something i believe that i absolutely believe that it was at some point i think the seventh or eighth busiest airport in the world in terms of aircraft movement so it's it's Pretty important airport. It's not small at all. But again, the the, the, the rocking chairs are so, so, so soothing. There's so many concourses, etc. I won't go into the details. I remember it fondly because of the rocking chairs, because of the barbecue, because of US Airways. I'm a bit sad that they've gone because I really enjoyed that airline. Like I did enjoy the... I think uh, Doug North- Parker has brought a lot of what they were to American. Yeah. To, to me, the, the sad thing in all the consolidation that has happened in the U.S., it has seemingly lost the airlines where I prefer the, the delivery and design yes. philosophy. U.S. Airways, Northwest. I always liked Delta because as a kid, I still remember that, you know, pyramid kind of thing. Yeah. The logo. So as a kid, it was very, I remember seeing it, Continental, you know, that globe for me was never a thing. No, United, either. their previous one, but not the current one, which is basically a Continental. And they, yeah. they just, they just like erased Continental and rewritten United with the same lettering. Uh, it's That's the bad thing. And U.S. Airways, you know, was the U.S. flag. It was really nice. I have some pictures, some flights back then that was looking before we started recording. Really, really nice. So the one last thing about the airport is they have a navigation museum next to the airport. So that's, mm. you know, there, there's a few airports that have these museums, but not a lot. It's, I think it, it's, it's to be noted when one has it. They have, including a, a DC-3, painted it a Piemont Airlines livery. Oh, that's nice. A, the great-grandfather of what is now a, a then U.S. service, et cetera, et cetera, if you go back in history. They also have, like, a, like photographs of, of the past of the airport. Oh, and fantastic. the aircraft that have been like there. That. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, it's, it's absolutely... Absolutely fantastic that they have that. They also have, I, 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 I'm not sure if it's on display yet. I think this museum also bought the, was it an Airbus? The one that went into the Hudson River. Yes. I think this museum bought it and they are, maybe guys, because you've been recently, some of you, I know we have a lot of listeners in the US. Maybe that aircraft is on display now. They're doing something with it. I don't know, but I had read that they had bought it. So let us know if that is on display because I think it's a pretty cool thing to do this kind of thing in an airport. Oh, that's so cool. There you go. You need to go to Charlotte just for the barbecue, man. Yeah. Wow. And the museum and the rocking chairs. (laughs) Absolutely. So what are your next slides? I mean, we heated at them. So you're doing London to Seoul with BA. Then you stay in Seoul. Then you go Peach. Peach to to Osaka. Which airport at Osaka? Ah, that's the, yeah, the only, well, Itami is only domestic, so unfortunately we're going into into Kicks, which isn't the end of the world, Kansai, because I wanted to go there, but it's just much further out. Yeah, it will be very interesting because we'll probably also recover because we've done it in the past KIX because I've only known Terminal 1, which is ANA and, and JAL and Emirates, uh, Terminal 2, which is the low-cost terminal, but I've heard it's not low-cost looking no. if you want so I, I would really be interested to have your your view and also because i've done it only once your view about you know what we said the airport is really far from osaka itself osaka proper so that uh, journey you know yes. you'll be with your kids so how it's it's i know you know japan is easy but we'll, we'll talk about it yeah i'm interested and, to see how it goes there you're not flying to tokyo you're taking We're taking the shinkansen yeah yes, <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and then we said you're back to ah man that's and what's it is it next week when is, when is the holidays for the kids is it next week yeah we're so lucky we recorded yeah we go on yeah. sunday <laughs> oh my god as for me, I'm flying on Saturday, Emirates, to Taipei. I'm staying two days in Taipei, then back to Dubai, which is why I took Emirates, because I needed to be in Dubai. And, you know, I tried with other airlines, these kind of routes, and they either are way too expensive, or doesn't make any sense. So Emirates just works. Dubai for three days, and I'll be back uh, just for Easter, basically when you'll be going away, I guess, or you'll just have been arrived in Osaka. Probably. Yes. So like and that. so we'll have a lot to Last cover. Con- yeah, exactly. That will be a, fin- a fascinating episode. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I have um, uh, 50,000 miles that are about to expire in Emirates, so I'm looking into upgrading something because otherwise I'm just going to lose them. And, you know, and the alternative would be there's two alternatives. I could give them to charity because Emirates does that, which I could do. Or you could buy something on the shop. But when I go in the shop, usually these wines, and you get like some, you know, the left shoe, not yeah. the right one. Or, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you all guys know if I take another shower in Emirates, which go, I wish go. to make Alex jealous. <laughs> <laughs> that, guys, Alex, see you next time and safe travels. Happy travels, guys. Happy travels, guys.